Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends. So thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to The New Man, Beyond the Macho Jerk and the New Age Wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lanier. Could you be a drama queen without even knowing it? Are you focusing on your problems or the outcomes you want? And how does playing the blame game kill your passion for life? The Power of TED author David Emerald is here to talk about drama, victimhood, and how you can stop pointing fingers to empower yourself in any situation. Welcome to The New Man. Today, we're talking with David Emerald. He's the author of The Power of Ted, The Empowerment Dynamic. Uh, David, thank you so much for being on the program today. My pleasure, Trip. Uh, great to be with you. So, first off, you know, when I talk, when I tell people about this book, they say the power of TED. Oh, I watched the TED talks. I, I, I've right. seen, I've seen some of that stuff. But this is, this has nothing to do with the TED talks. This is what TED is an acronym for the empowerment dynamic. So, I, just right off the bat, why, why should the guy that's stuck in traffic right now care about the empowerment dynamic? What's the empowerment dynamic going to do for him? Uh, great question. And first of all, yes, there's a little bit of uh, brand confusion between the TED Talks and the power of TED um, and have a great deal of respect for the TED Talks. Uh, but for the guy who's stuck in traffic, um, if you're stuck in traffic, you're probably feeling pretty empowered, probably feeling victimized. And um, and the reason why the guy stuck in traffic should care is you, you're in the current rally that you're in. What's your choice? How do you choose to respond to it? Do you choose to respond to it um, uh, from a, what I call a, a victim stance or a victim orientation? Or do you choose to make more resourceful and empowered uh, choices, given the limited number of choices you might have at that moment? Okay. And, and what are those, you know, he might be, well, I don't have any choice. I'm stuck in my car. But I think one of the choices that, that that we've got is, well, I still have an attitude or I still have an outlook that I bring to this or an orientation. Um, exactly. Is that mm -hmm. one? Tell us more about that. 
Well, yeah, uh, it, it is our orientation toward life, you know, and there are times of, let, let me take a step back and make an important distinction here, which will also kind of give the listener um, a broader frame about what TED is about. Okay, great. Is that, is that to me, there's a very important distinction between victimization and victimhood. And um, victimization is something that happens to all of us. It's part of the human condition. Uh, that, that guy stuck in traffic is in that moment feeling victimized because there's a, what, what defines victimization to me is when there's a dream or desire, something that we want that's being uh, denied or thwarted. Okay. And so in that, that moment, not able to make it in traffic and my wanting to, to, to get home or get to where I'm going uh, is being denied. And I often think of victimization as being on a scale of one to ten, uh, with you know one being mundane. So I don't know, being stuck in traffic depending on the situation, I don't know, it might be a two or a three. Uh, and then there are people who live most of their lives at the, the nine, ten end of the victimization scale. But that victimization is distinct from victimhood. And victimhood is a, a source of identity. It's an orientation to the world. It's a way of being. So that guy who's stuck in traffic um, has a choice, uh, has the choice between seeing uh, and choosing a response, even though he's being victimized, without falling into victimhood. The victimhood would be, oh, God, here we go again. I'm stuck in traffic again. This always happens to me. Um, and uh, that's kind of the woe is me. So Ted really is a stands as a ch what I call a challenger to victimhood while acknowledging the reality of victimization. So this is not a Pollyannish uh, way of thinking and being. It's not about sticking our head in the sand and saying, well, hey, there's no traffic. This is fantastic. You know, I wanted to sit in my car on the freeway today. It's not about that kind of acting like there there isn't a challenge here. Um, but it is about choosing how do I want to go about doing it. And when you talk about victimhood, I imagine a guy with these glasses on and he sees the world through this lens that poor me, I'm screwed again. The right. life is kicking me in the ass again. Is that what you? Is that a fair way to describe victimhood? Yeah, that, that would be victimhood. And um, going through life that way, what we tend to do is we are. There is a, a frame that's in the TED work that uh, I refer to as an orientation that I call the orientations FISBEs, which stands for focus interstate and behavior. So what we focus on engages an emotional response, which then drives our behavior. So the victim orientation, what we tend to do is focus, our, we put our focus on problems, what we don't want and what we don't like. So I don't, you know, don't like being stuck in traffic. And that Prob whatever the problem du jour is, um, that guy with going through life with that, that lens sees problems all over the place that then engage some level of anxiety. It could be anywhere from, you know, this is a hassle, I wish it would go away, to out-and-out out fear and terror. And then what that drives is reactive behavior, and we tend to react in one of three classic ways, you know, either fight, flight, or freeze. We either aggress against it, you know, it's like I'm going to honk my horn and try to get this traffic moving, uh, or we we uh, freeze, uh, kind of feeling like we, we don't know which way to go, uh, or, you know, flight. We try to get away from it, try to get off the highway. Um, 
And so, yeah, the guys going through life uh, from that victim orientation is constantly, constantly reacting and uh, sees life circumstances as persecutors to him uh, and uh, that he is in that victim place. It seems like it's personal, right? This is about me. This is, you know, the meteorite that landed on my house. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was for me. <laughs> um, right. right. right? But it, it's somehow that, that this is an attack upon me. Uh, poor me. And and but I like what you said about what we focus on. Um, if because when I you know, when guys start to actually do a gratitude practice in their life, it's like, well, I've never used that muscle. It's this flaccid little puny muscle of gratitude. <laughs> right. But they mm-hmm. start to realize that they're focusing on the one or two things that didn't go that well during their day instead of the 25 to 30, you know, thousand things that went well. Um, but it's those one or two things that you said actually bring up the anxiety and the suffering that we put ourselves through. Is that right? Right. Okay. Right. Very well said. All right. It, it, so in this point, when we when we shift our and I want to go through the, the dreaded drama triangle in just a second, we'll talk about how to go from being a victim to the creator, which, uh, you know, it's a little preview of what's coming up. But because it's not about ignoring our problems, but we have to recognize that right. there's there's something else out there. It's, it's shifting our focus on the outcomes. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, putting our focus on the outcomes. And and even more important, I would say, Trip is putting our focus on choice. What choices do we have? Um, you know, I, 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 what's flashing in my mind, because you started with uh, being stuck in traffic, I literally um, lived, I lived in Southern California for a little while, and uh, one day was traveling from L.A. to San Diego, and anybody that knows that area knows that there's, there's one route, um, basically, there's one route along that goes along Camp Pendleton, um, and there are no access roads. And the traffic was at a standstill. It usually would take about two hours. I was it ended up being a six-hour trip, Ugh. and um, and with literally uh, no no place to go other than to sit off the side of the road. Um, so I did. I pulled over and I got out a book and read and was like, okay, uh, you know, I have limited choices here, and I could you know either let my blood pressure really go up and I called ahead to tell a person that. You know, I wasn't going to, didn't look like I was going to make it. I did listen to the radio and found out that there was a, a bad accident that had the, the highway closed. And uh, I had a narrow range of choices. But, and yes, I felt victimized, but I put my focus on what choices did I have and what kind of outcome that I want to have given the hand I'd been dealt in that moment. All right. So we're not ignoring the problem. There is a challenge here. um, But the focus instead of on the problem is what can I do? What's available to me? Uh, I can either choose more suffering and pain or Mm -hmm. I can, hey, I can enjoy myself and and uh, and read a book. Right. Okay. Exactly. I want to, let's talk about the dreaded drama triangle, because when I describe this to people and when the first time I heard it, I, I, could, I felt it was one of those ideas that I just felt my brain pop. It was like, bloop, like I just saw the world in a new way and, and suddenly was able to see, oh, my gosh, this is kind of happening everywhere. Like there wouldn't be Hollywood without the dreaded drama <laughs> triangle. So right. walk us through, you know, and, and, you know, real nutshell. What is the dreaded drama triangle? Sure. Um, first of all, what you just beautifully described, Trip, is what I call a, uh, you had a blinding flash of the obvious. Um, a BFO is what I call it. <laughs> and you, and you've know, you know you've experienced a BFO when you have that kind of experience where the brain just pops and, and things are kind of gloriously clear. And it's, 
And it's also interesting to me that you used Hollywood as an example, because the drama triangle was first articulated by a psychiatrist by the name of Stephen Cartman, who also happens to be a, uh, or happened uh, back in the past, was uh, a part-time actor. And um, (laughs) and he very much, he very much uh, articulated and saw that there was a pattern that, that repeats in the human experience that gets captured in movies, but in the human experience, it involved three characters. And the, the primary character is the, is the role of victim. And uh, in order to be a victim, one must have a persecutor. So the persecutor, he, hard, he articulated it simply in terms of uh, interpersonal relationships. But I've come to see that the persecutor could be a circumstance, like being stuck on the highway. Um, it could be a condition, a health condition, a health challenge. Um, and what happens is the, the persecutor... Um, actually is is the problem or is a problem to the victim, and the victim reacts by either fight, flight, or freeze. And then also what happens and what completes the triangle is that the victim um, often goes looking for uh, a rescuer. Uh, someone to come in and save the day, fix the day, make the persecutor go away. Um, and I've also come to see that the rescuer does not have to be a person. It could be um, a substance. It could be zoning out to the television. It's, a rescuer is what I call the pain reliever. It's anything that helps the victim either distance from or, frankly, numb out from their sense of powerlessness that comes from being in that victim place. What's also important, I think, for all of us to really get is that we all of us play all three roles in different situations, different uh, uh, kinds of scenarios. Uh, we may take uh, very different roles. I, so yeah, the, we even we, and we even do that within, right? Like I, I've noticed oh, yeah. that you know I'll wake up in the morning and I'm the victim, and then <laughs> in the evening I'm the villain, you know, the persecutor, and uh, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that mm-hmm. one day I'll be the oh, you know what? I'm going to listen to this podcast, and then I'll be the rescuer. I'll be able to right. come in and fix it, <laughs> right? You know, so yep, so, absolutely can be interpersonal. I can be my biggest persecutor at times. Yeah, That's yeah. True. So mm-hmm. we can we can play this within ourselves, but then we also start to see the dynamic within our without on the outside and how. How quickly we go, when I was reading your book, how quickly we can go from being the rescuer to the villain, let's say, where someone mm-hmm. comes along, dun, 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 I'll save the day, I'll, I'll take care right. of you, I'll fix this, mm-hmm. and then when we don't meet an expectation, you're a jerk, you didn't follow through, da, 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 da. and so it just, uh, just amazing how this continues to the finger pointing, and we just get stuck in this place, so, you know, if we're, if we're stuck in this, if we're, if, if, all we're doing is pointing fingers and focusing on mm-hmm. problems, as we just talked about. How do we rise above? How do we transcend and get out of this drama triangle? Uh, that's a great question. And one of the things I'll tell you, Tripp, that, um, that I found in, as I really dove into this and did research, was that there are a number of good books and articles that have been written about the drama triangle um, since the, the late 60s. and Virtually, uh, not even virtually, everything I found um, basically would come down to, now that you understand that, uh, to use a little bit of Brooklyn accent, don't do it no more. Right? <laughs> now, now that you see it, just don't, you know, just, just stop it. Stop it. Right. And, and what I know uh, in terms of human experience is that there's 
there's no way out um, from there's no way out from within the triangle that it really does require a a shift of mind uh, uh, an upgrade in our personal operating system is language that I often use and um, and so it really requires us to shift it begins with shifting our focus and uh, really claiming for ourselves our desire for and our capacity to step into what I call a creator orientation. So the creator orientation instead of what's, what was me. um, But now we get into what do I want to create? What are the, we come back to what we were just talking about. Is that right? Right, exactly. Um, and so uh, I'll do the FISB for the for the creator orientation. So again, the focus, interstate behavior. So as I adopt the creator orientation, where I put my focus is um, on what I want to create. To me, there's really two um, uh, aspects of being a creator. But it starts with putting a focus on what do I want? Rather than reacting to what I don't want, what is it that I, I want to see happen in my life? What is it that I want in this moment if I'm uh, dealt a lousy hand like sitting in that car? Um, but as I focus on what I want in my life, what it engages as an inner state is a passion, a desire, maybe even love for what it is that I want to manifest or go after in my life. And that passion and the desire then gives me the energy uh, to go for it, and we go for it via what I call baby steps. So the behavior is whatever the next step is that is going to help me move toward and or get clearer about that vision or outcome. So baby steps can be... And I need to have this particular conversation, or I, I uh, want to listen to that podcast, or um, I want to go get this degree that's going to help me in the, the work life that I want to create for myself. Um, and that is a much different orientation to life. And one of the other things I'd say about adopting a creator orientation is that um, it's got to be conscious that, that it, it's a conscious choice, whereas so much of the victim orientation and, frankly, the DDT, the dreaded drama triangle, is less than conscious. I mean, it's um, we kind of go through life sleepwalking and thinking that, the, as, that a day without drama is as good as it gets. And what I'm here to say, and I know what, what you're all about, is a day without drama is is not at all as good as it gets, that um, it can be a heck of a lot more fun, a lot more energizing uh, to live life uh, focused on what it is that we want to go after. I love it. There's so many points I want to, I would just have to underline here because, you know, a lot of guys that listen to this, they want more passion in their life. They're tired of feeling like they're sleepwalking. They're tired of that kind of walking dead sensation. So if we're going to follow this back, if I want to feel more passion in my life, stop the finger pointing. Stop the blaming. Stop figuring out what's going wrong, who's right, who's wrong, what did this and that. Stop focusing on that area and start to get into the mindset of what do I want? And when I ask guys that question, there's a lot of times they just kind of their jaw just drops over. Like, uh, well, I don't know. I've always I've just been, uh, you know, her. She's mm-hmm. the problem. I mean, that's the problem. Right. If I, my wife would just do this, then I wouldn't have to blah, blah, blah. But what do you want? So stop, mm-hmm. stop the finger pointing because that that tells me you're not working on a solution or you're not in that outcome and that creator mindset. And then the yeah. other part of it, if I want to feel passion, start taking action, start taking baby steps, not huge, big, monumental things. But you just said 
the just very small steps. Um, I, you underline that. Let's let's. I don't want to assume that it, that everybody understands the importance of baby steps because once we get into a creator mindset, we start to see the vision that we want for ourselves. We might go big. So why baby steps? Um, great question. And um, so our visions may be big. What we want to go after may be big. But the way we get there is a baby step at a time. I'll tell you where I got the notion of baby steps. Part of my background uh, trip is that I uh, have a, a quite a career in leadership and organization development. And I'm not going to go deeply down that path other than to say that um, that a leadership development program that I used to manage and co-facilitate with then we we did a process that in the book I call dynamic tension. It, it really builds off of Robert Fritz's creative tension, and um, where we focus on vision, we tell the truth about current reality, and then we take whatever the next steps are that are going to be, begin to move us from our current reality toward our vision. The reason why I'm bringing that up is that what I found, and this is not exclusive to men uh, by any means, but I think particularly for men, it's like if we set a vision, there's a part of us that says, I've got to figure it all out before I take that first step. Mm -hmm. And we spend so much time, uh, especially in organizational life, you know, uh, planning the work rather than the, uh, you know, that's the old plan the work before you work the plan. Well, a lot of us uh, have spent a lot of time in organizations doing detailed planning, and we get to step D, uh, and it's void because of something unanticipated. And um, and so I started introducing this notion of baby steps after ha- having watched the movie What About Bob, because um, uh, the baby steps is a, a key point in, in that funny movie. Uh-huh. And I started introducing the notion of baby steps uh, into the program. And we started getting feedback from people saying that that was one of the, the biggest takeaways for them was they didn't have to have it all figured out. It just takes the pressure off. It does take the pressure off. And here's what I can tell you about every time we take a baby step, one of three things is going to happen. Absolutely guarantee you one of three things is going to happen. Uh, most of the time it's going to be just that, a baby step, baby step forward, add some momentum. Um, sometimes you take a baby step and it's a misstep. You know, so it's a step back. It's a mistake. And in adopting a creator orientation, even those steps back can be important data points for what did I learn from that? What does it tell me about how I... Uh, can move forward. So it may be a step up, it may be a misstep. And then the third possibility trip is you never know when a baby step is going to be a quantum leap or a breakthrough hmm. that would not have happened had you not taken that step. Right. And I just love that. If I, if I stay in that creator mindset, then even a misstep is something I can find something in there versus, well, mm-hmm. see, I shouldn't have, you know, what was I doing? I better just go back to being numb and, and checked out. But if I stay in that creator mindset, like, no, I keep focusing on where I want to go and what do I want to create versus, mm-hmm. oh, here we go. Yep. This is another thing that's not going right in my life. Um, and you talked about dynamic tension because whenever, you know, in my coaching practice, we start to create a vision for somebody. Now there's this like, holy crap, we're actually doing this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a mm-hmm. lot more comfortable just pointing fingers. I was a lot sure. more comfortable pointing out what was missing and what was wrong in my life. And I understand why it's actually more comfortable. I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but preferable for us to hang out in the victim mindset because in that creator mindset, said we're big kids now uh right and we've got to deal with that tension between where we are and where we want to go um but the baby step seems to take that pressure off or at least um answer to it a little bit hey you don't have to have it all figured out you just do a little bit at a time 
You got it. Okay. You got it. Coming back to the rescuer dynamic, because, you know, how do we, how do we be supportive to somebody without being a rescuer? Because I can hear this in my mind, mm-hmm. like, well, do I just ignore my friends when they're going through a tough thing? Like, how, how do we know if we're being yeah, a good support or, or we're, we're actually playing into the drama triangle by being a rescuer? Yeah, uh, a great question. And a cu- couple things that come to mind. One is that, um, well, first of all, I, I've got to be real honest and say that there are times when it is appropriate to be a rescuer, or it may be appropriate even to be a persecutor to, uh, in exercising tough love uh, for someone. Uh, you know, I've, I live on Bainbridge Island uh, in the Seattle area, and the image I use is if, you know, if I'm walking along the beach and I see somebody out flailing, flailing in the water, um, that's not the time for me to, to to go to the crater orientation and say, "Hey, how'd you get out there? Would you like to Would you like to come up on land with me?" Uh, um, no, uh, it would be it's appropriate to to jump in, uh, help him get to to back to the shore, and then I may go into to what is the antidote to the rescuer, which is the role of coach, and I might say, you know, assuming to make the story palatable, assuming that the that the guy's okay, and you know, so how so, dude, tell me, how'd you get out there? Mm. You know, what might what might you do in the future so that you don't find yourself in that in that situation? Right. So I, I also want to acknowledge that, especially when it comes with you know being with a friend, you know, showing compassion, but but you do that in a way that doesn't play into the second point I want to make, which is what I call the kinship of victimhood. And we enter into the kinship of victimhood when we find ourselves in a conversation. It's the ain't, ain't it awful conversation. Oh, you think, well, you think that's bad. Let me tell you about the time this happened to me. And so that's not, that's not supporting um, the other in being a creator. See, what happens is that as we make the shift to, uh, and really choose to, to adopt the creator orientation, it opens up the possibility of a very different set of relationship roles and dynamics that I call TED, the, the empowerment dynamic. Uh, and, uh, and TED, as the empowerment dynamic, is the antidote to the toxic nature of the DDT relationships. And so, if I can, I'd, let me um, just briefly overview the three roles in, the, in TED. Um, which, again, is the antidote and offers an escape. You know, so this is back to your question of a few minutes ago, is how do we get out of the DDT? Right. Um, and it's to make that shift to a creator orientation. So the antidote to the role of victim is the role of creator. And two aspects of the role of creator, one we've, we've hit on a lot, which is um, being able to answer that question of what do I want. Equally important is that a creator... Um, takes on the responsibility and really owns their capacity to be at choice, no matter what their situation. And in the book, one of the one of my deep influences was uh, uh, Viktor Frankl, who um, wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning that uh, came out of his experience as a young psychiatrist uh, being uh, interred in three different Nazi t- concentration camps. And in the midst of, you know, on a scale of one to 10 of victimization, probably a 12 or 13, Right. Um, he came to the realization that there was, he said, he said there was one final freedom that, uh, that, uh, my captors could not take from me without my permission. And that was my freedom to choose my response to the circumstances I found myself in. 
It's so powerful. Wow. We, we've we've talked yeah. about that here on the show before. But just thinking about like <laughs> like you're yeah. in a concentration camp, and he he has this insight. Like these sons of bitches can't take this away from me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I am at choice. So that so that's at the heart of being a creator. In uh, in adopting a, uh, a creator orientation and being a creator in my life, when I am victimized, rather than reacting to the persecutor, I can see that person, condition, or circumstance as a challenger in my life. So challenger is the antidote to the role of persecutor. And challengers come into our lives sometimes invited, many times uninvited, unwanted, but it's about learning and growth. Challengers spark learning and growth. It's that little kick in the butt, right? It's that uh, little tough love sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes tough tough love, you bet. Um, And uh, and then the antidote to the role of rescuer, which I've already kind of alluded to, is the role of coach. So there's no weakness at all. In fact, there's a to me, it's an act of strength as a creator to say, you know, I can I could use some support in my life. And uh, so whether it's working with a professional coach like uh, like you are, um, which is great. It also could just be a trusted friend. So it doesn't have to be a kind of a capital C coach. It could be anyone who will support us, but support us in a way, because what rescuers, let me go back to rescuer for just a moment. What rescuers are, are inadvertently doing, whether they know it or not, is they're reinforcing the powerlessness of the victim. Mm. Um, whereas coaches know where the power resides and they know it resides in the person that they're supporting. And that um, being able to interact with the other as being ultimately, ultimately capable and resourceful, whether they're acting like it or not, whether they know it or not, but really being able to hold them big and be of support uh, in helping them clarify what they want to create in their lives or what their, what choices that they have given the circumstances they find themselves in. It's so powerful because if, you know, now I can start to see the, the, the switch, right? If I was the victim, all right, you know, I, now I see myself as creator. I'm going to focus more on what do I want. And now I can look to the outside. Well, what in my life is challenging me to be, you know, to go for it? Whatever that is. What, what's the opportunity here to, to, that's, that's pushing up against this that I can rise and, and use that opportunity, basically? And then what's in my life to support me? What relationships mm-hmm. are in my life? Do I live in an environment that supports that? You know, if I like being warm, do I live in a cold place? You know, it's just like looking around <laughs> right. and just seeing, you know, mm-hmm. wh- where's the wind at my back instead of things that are holding me back? So, um, but yeah, yeah now, now we've got a new lens to look at challenge and, and support and, and seeing how we can start to, as a creator, bring that into our lives. Yeah. You know, I, I gotta say, um, and I usually don't bring this up in interviews, but just the, with the quality of conversation we've had here, I w- was very honored, um, when I, uh, published the book and went looking for, uh, endorsements that uh, I remember my uh, my editor calling and saying, oh, if, you, uh, if you could have anybody endorse your book, who, who would it be? And I said, oh, guys, Stephen Cartman, but I have no idea if the guy's still alive or not. Um, and long story short, I tracked down Stephen Cartman, uh, who still lives in the, the San Francisco area, um, sending the book, and again, a long story uh, made short, uh, he ended up... Um, Offering and then first turned me down. Said, "Oh, you know, this is this will stand on its own. You don't need my endorsement." And he came back to me several weeks later and 
uh, he offered his endorsement. He says the empowerment uh, triangle, he calls it, but the empowerment dynamic is a highly original and effective escape from the drama triangle. What he shared with me is that, that it was the first effective escape he had seen articulated. Beautiful. So I think, you know, and, it, and I just got to say that, that this, this came out of my own you know, my own experience. Um, and a little bit of the story behind the story is that uh, I was, the, the book, even though it's a fable, um, what the, the David character is experiencing was uh, absolutely part of my life at a certain point in time uh, where uh, my dad, who I was very close to, had a very healthy relationship with, had passed away, found out that I couldn't produce kids. And as a result of that, my, my marriage dissolved. And that's when I got introduced, uh, working with a therapist, got introduced to the drama triangle. And one morning, I was just sitting doing what I call my quiet time, kind of prayer, meditation, contemplation, a lot of times journaling. And in kind of that prayerful space, and I said, I said, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to surrender my victim stance in life, but I need to know what's the opposite of victim. And the word creator just popped into my mind. It wasn't like I heard a voice, but it was just, it was like, it was, it was right there. And, um, and that really began a, um, many, actually literally a dec- couple decades long journey of thinking about these things off and on, and then starting to wonder, well, if, if creator's the opposite of victim, is there an opposite or now an antidote to the rescuer persecutor roles? So right. that's a little bit of the story behind the story. Thank you for sharing that. I was wondering how much of the book, because, you know, for those that haven't read it yet, it's a story. It's, it's a fable, as you said, and uh, it's easy. It's short. I like, that's one of the reasons why it just gets in there and tells this information and, and relays it in a beautiful way. But I was wondering how oh, much you. of this was, was really true for you. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that and giving us a little insight into what inspired you there. Um, uh, my pleasure. Well, I, I, you know, let's, let's bring it back to the guy that's listening. He's going to go get the book. <laughs> okay. Go get it. And, and, but you know, what's one thing that he can do today? You know, one, one little practice or, or a little nugget that he can take away that, that he can use to empower himself. Mm-hmm. What well, great question. And, um, what immediately pops in my mind is what, what range of choices do I have in this moment? What range of choices do I have in this moment? And, um, and if I think that becomes kind of a mantra, um, and, or if, we, if we're going to make it a, a mantra, uh, that I guess it would be as a statement and say, I have choices in this moment. Mm. Um, and repeating that, sitting in the traffic, I have choices. I can choose to react. I can choose to pull over and read a book. Um, when I get home, if my wife's upset with me, I have choices. I can react to her and, and we'll uh, get into the, the DDT, or I can ask her what she wants. I can uh, try to stay in a coach role or to see her as a creator. So I think it's what's the choices that I have in this moment. And just start to get out of the, hey, what's wrong? And this is, you know, where's the blame? Right. And a lot of times we, when, when something crappy happens, we go, why? Why is this happening? Yeah, and, why and, me? Why right. me, mm-hmm. right? And so, mm-hmm. but now you're saying flip it, say, wait a second, what are my choices? Reminding ourselves first that we have choices and then diving in. What are they? What are mm-hmm. my choices right mm-hmm. now? I love and it. And again, I, I want to be realistic here. Sometimes it may be a very narrow range of choices. I mean, Viktor Frankl had very narrow range of choices, but he still was a choice. And sometimes we may be over, sometimes we're overwhelmed by the number of choices that we have. Right. Right. Um, 
You know, so uh, again, I don't want to be Pollyannish here. Sometimes the, the choices are limited, but we're always at choice. You know, I, I'm inspired by this, and I know that you know some of your work actually goes into organizations as well and leadership training. Uh, I, I can't wait till this starts to get into Washington D.C. and our state capitals. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're really good at pointing out what went wrong uh, and who yes, did they what. Are. And yes, uh, they but are. we're not hearing, hey, what's the outcome we want to create, and how are we going to do it? What are the baby steps? And so right. uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. David Emerald, Power of Ted, go pick it up. Uh, what's, what's the best place to learn about you and to pick up the book? Um, I would have people go to the website, which is simply powerofted.com. And um, the the book is really, frankly, available everywhere, certainly on Amazon. Um, you can at least order it at any bookstore. can't guarantee that you'll walk in and, and find it at, at every bookstore, but uh, uh, it's out there and available. But uh, we'll ask people to come check out the website. We've got a lot of information. There's some videos, um, a, lot of, a lot of freebies on the website, as well as the opportunity to buy the book. And we also have a companion workbook that goes with it. Beautiful. People can buy David Emerald, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. I, 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 you know, I want to get you off here. I know that you got a got an appointment here real soon, but thank you so much. My pleasure, Trip. Take care. There's so much more to the new man than these interviews. So visit thenewmanpodcast.com and join the mailing list so you never miss another update. Thanks for listening.